In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm back in London and I'm with previously the most energetic guest, positive guest that I've ever had on about the Cleveland uh, Browns. I'm here with uh, Jack. Jack, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Paul. Thanks once again for having me on. Uh, I better say Jack McCurry because everyone may think it's Jack Duffin. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jack, mate, last time we spoke, we were thinking Super Bowl playoffs. How are you feeling uh, today, mate? Uh, I mean, obviously everybody's down after what happened on Sunday in Pittsburgh. But, you know, I while many are, you know, giving up on the season, I look at it as we have four games to go. You know, the season's not over. There's wins still. There's five games. No, four. Four. Cincinnati mm-hmm. twice, Baltimore, and Arizona. Oh, whoops. Bad maths, yeah. my boy. <laughs> but uh, what I was saying, like, there's four games left. There's still, you know, winnable football games there. You could end the season on a high note. I know a lot of people want us to lose out so that they can fire kitchens. and But, like, I, I just don't see how that's going to – uh, resurrect this franchise, resurrect the sleeping giant. You can't have a loser's mentality. It's not good for the culture. Like you got to keep fighting. And the way Kitchens was talking after the game Sunday and on Monday, they're still looking at that one and zero mindset. So I'm I'm staying forward. I'm staying positive and hoping that we can end the season on a high note. But Jack, but you got to tell us what do you think is going wrong? I, I think it's the culture. I think it, and it goes. It's not just, you know, Freddie's play calling. It's not just a T-shirt. I just think that, you know, you look at this roster, it's one of the youngest rosters in the National Football League. Uh, you have some veterans on this team, but a lot of the veterans don't know how to win. You look, Odell Beckham came from the Giants. Um, Sheldon Richardson, where he was with, he was, he's been in some winning environments. He also came from the New York Jets, not a winning organization. Jarvis Landry, the Miami Dolphins. I mean, I could go on and on. And then you look at some of the veterans here, Batonio, Kirksey, they haven't been in winning environments. Environments, And obviously Cleveland hasn't been a, a winning culture, a winning organization for quite some time. And I just think they need uh, more of a veteran presence on this team that can help this young team weather storms where, you know, they lose and they lay an egg like they do on Sunday, it, that it's not going to completely collapse the season. They need guys that can, you know, ride the ship out, get everybody on track and stay focused. And I think from top to bottom, you don't see a winning uh, – the culture is not good enough for uh, the Browns to bounce back from a loss like this. And you hope that, like, this Sunday they're playing Cincinnati. That's a bad football team. But, you know, are they going to be able to bounce back knowing that the playoffs are essentially impossible to get to at this point? Are they just going to quit on this – uh, on the organization down the stretch. And I just think it, it's more or less, like I said, the culture, the the mentality of what's gone on in Cleveland the last 20 years, it, it's just a loser's mentality. And I think th- it, they need to shake it off somehow. Here we go, Jack. Let's play a game. If I 
you got to name, you got to just say one word that goes with what I'm about to say. So if I say the Browns finished nine and seven, how would you describe that in one word? I would say it's a step forward. I mean, it's you know, one word. Oh, one word. Uh, positive. Positive. Okay. Positive. Eight and eight. Mm, we'll still say positive. Seven and nine. Uh, negative. Okay. And let's say, you know, what are they, five and seven now? So they lose the last four and they go five and 11 or six and 10. Same yeah. old Browns. I mean, it's more than one word, but it's the same old Browns. Yeah. Because last year we went seven, eight, one. Yeah. Eight and eight is going in the right direction. But I know a lot of fans are feeling that with all the talent we've got, we shouldn't be having this competition. We should be 10 and six. Yeah. I mean, the, the talent, six, 11 and five team. But I also think that the depth is obviously an issue. You look, the defensive line, we're bringing guys off the streets like Porter Gustin and Brian Cox Jr. Uh, offensive line, you got low-end draft picks like Justin McCray and Wyatt Teller there. I just don't think, and like I said, this, this isn't just on Freddie Kitchens. I think John Dorsey's to blame. I, th I think it's from Todd's bottom, from the Haslam's all the way down. I think this is just a complete failure. And we all exceed, they have completely fell short of all our expectations. But like I said, there's still four games left. There's still a chance to save this season. And if they go eight and eight, nine and seven, that's the first winning season the Browns have had since 2007. So it's still, we're still making progress, but it's still a disappointment just because our expectations were so high. So we beat Bengals twice and Arizona eight and eight. Eight and eight. I mean, I would take that. I mean, is that a winning season or is that just a 50-50? Anything 500 or above, I would consider a winning season. I mean, that's how I feel. I know some people would feel the same way, and they would say, well, we beat two of the low-end teams in the league. You're still winning at the end of the day. Like, Monday, Sunday night, Monday morning, they win those games. I'm in a better mood. Like, Sunday night and yesterday, I was in a bad mood because the Browns lost. I mean, I don't try to let it get to me just because it's a sport and it's fun. It's leisure activity. But, you know, my mood changes just based on how the Cleveland Browns perform. So frustrating because six and six, we've still got that chance of playoffs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we were talking about it last week. I'm like, you know, we went on Sunday against Pittsburgh. We're six and six. The second straight season, we are walking into December with a shot at the playoffs. But like I told Anthony on the pod last week, I said, even if we lose, you know, he, I said, I would do love nothing more then to week 16 against Baltimore, the final home game, play spoiler and ruin their chance at a potential bye week. Like, I know that's a long shot because they're riding high right now at a 10 and two mark. And I think they're the number one or number two team in the AFC. But if they could, if we could somehow force them to play on wildcard weekend instead of letting them have a bye, that would feel so sweet to cap the season off that way. Mm. Yeah, mate, just, just so, so frustrating because Nine and six. That's oh, right. Nine and uh, seven. We get that. Yeah, it's a good season. People will be screaming down the it, podcast going now. Oh, you, you lost your marbles. You know it's got to be uh, playoffs or nothing. But nine and nine and uh, seven is definitely a step in the right direction. It definitely is, and I know people were expecting more. I predicted, I think, eleven and five. I think um, Anthony, who's my co-host on the podcast, I think he even went so far as to say twelve and four. 
I mean, we thought some of these early games were going to be wins. We thought Tennessee was going to be a win. We thought, you know, we could upset Seattle or LA and it, it just didn't work out that way. But, you know, to go from where we were one and 31 and then, you know, starting out the way we did last year, finish seven, eight, one. And then if we somehow won four straight and finished nine and seven, that's moving in the right direction, despite what people, you know, want to say about, you know, the coaching or whatever, like, you're taking small steps, you know, next year, maybe next year was supposed to be the year we make the jump into the playoffs, but you know, with everything, all the moves that we made like this past off season, you know, expectations got higher and the pressure got uh, put on more by the organization. They just haven't lived up to it though. Wow. Makes me so angry. <laughs> I, you know, I bought my flights to um, Vegas for work first week of January, CS. And um, I've been holding out, holding out just because it, it sits, on them two playoff weekends. So I have to either fly out for work well in advance so I can somehow get around America because of the time difference of flights, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I kind of threw the fl- the towel in today and bought my tickets to uh, flights to Vegas. So um, if the Browns did get to the playoffs, I just can't go. Yeah, it's understandable, man. You got to do what you got to do. Vegas will be fun, though. You should enjoy that. Check out the... Yeah, uh, it's work. It's work, but... Um, oh, it's work? Yeah. yeah. But, um, but still, I'm sure you get some leisure time out there, won't you? I'll be working yeah. 8 till midnight, but... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, there'll be a few videos of messing around and doing things. But um, it's the largest consumer electronics show in the world, so uh, it's big for our work. And, uh, you know... What's your? I asked Ian this last night. What's your views on Higgins, Randall? You know this talent we got like Schobert that's all coming up to like extension times. Like Higgins isn't playing. Schobert, I believe, needs to be extended. Maybe doesn't fit the mold. I don't know. What's your views? Oh, Schobert should definitely be extended. Like I, I think they're working on it now. I don't really have any too much insight on it but I would think that they are doing all they can to keep him um won't be shocked if they for have they end up having to franchise him I mean the, you know that's a conversation I think we need Jack on for definitely but um yeah they should definitely re-sign Schober I know it's probably going to be around 13 14 million dollars per year but he he's playing so well he's one of the most underrated linebackers in the league um it comes to Higgins I, I you know this is where you know talent isn't everything you know, the story that he was asked to go in into the Seattle game and he refused, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but when a coach tells you to go in and you're a professional and you're making millions of dollars and that's your job, do what the coach tells you. I mean, I don't know what the whole context was and why Higgins did it, but if you're not going in when the coach tells you to go in, that, that's, that's, that's a strike. That, Turns back. I would not think Higgins will want to come back, and and the same goes with Demarius Randall. Now, um, I know yesterday my buddy was telling me that Doug Deacon was on the radio here in Cleveland, and he said that Higgins or Randall skipped practice because, and this was Thanksgiving morning, he didn't want to practice outside if there wasn't any of the heaters on the sidelines. And it was only like 35, 40 degrees that morning here in Cle- or in Northeast Ohio for Thanksgiving. Randall knows what the weather's like in Cleveland. He came from Green Bay. It's much colder up there too. 
go out there and practice. It's your job. You're making eight, $9 million this year, but you don't want to go outside and practice because it's a little cold. I mean, like guys like that just turned me off as a football fan. Like you're getting paid all this money. You do have to deal with the elements when you're playing. You deal with them when you're practicing too. Let's, let's do some quick maths. He does what? A hundred practices a year, do you reckon? They do about three, three a week. So at least 48 there. And then, you know, they do what? Four or five practices a week during the preseason. So yeah, let's just say like 75, 80 practices. I mean, and it's 9 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just do a hundred just to be argument. So yeah, that's fine. So he gets 90,000 every training session. How long is a training session? Three hours? At least two, two and a half. Let's say three for argument's yeah. sake. Yeah. So he's making 30,000 an hour. <laughs> I don't make 30,000 in a year. Like I would love to be in his position. Yeah. I mean, like, I will say this. There was a all-star high school game in my town that morning. Do you think the high school kids had heaters? They were out there in 35, 40 degree weather running around playing football. Like, I don't think they would want to do that, but they did that because they love the game. This makes you wonder if Randall loves the game or he just wants his money. Yeah, I've heard uh, he's a bit of a clown in the dressing room, but I can't say my source. So, uh... No, that's fine. And you know what? I'm glad that they did not re-sign him. I, you know, it makes you wonder, like, he, you know, he was great, you know, handing the ball to Hugh. That was a great moment. He played well last year. But this year, you know, he's been he's missed what three games due to injury. He missed this past game because of what these rumors are. And when he's been on the field, he's been lackluster. Like I might I would rather play Sheldrick Redwine and Justin Burris and these guys at this point late in the season to see what they got. Because Randall's not gonna be here, at least see if they got something going forward. Well think about Redwine, he's he his PFF grades were a lot better this week. I, I didn't have a problem, you know, I, some of those throws that uh, Duck Hodges threw up. I mean, I would blame that more on coaching. You know, you see like Denzel Ward struggling in coverage, Greedy Williams struggling in coverage. You know, Redwine had his moments, but I, I just wonder like, what are they teaching these guys at this point? Because they're not turning around looking for the ball, and you know that's like the biggest thing when you're covering them to not get pass interference. Turn around and make look like you're going for the ball. Like, Ward and these guys are all chasing the defender instead of going for the ball. And it's like, you know you're going to get flagged if you don't turn around. So, I thought Redwine was okay. You know, I'd like to see him down the stretch get more playing time. Obviously, if Randall keeps acting out, that's definitely going to happen. So, uh, you have to see what these guys are. Obviously, Redwine will be back next year, at least through camp. He was a mid-round pick, so it's not going to cost us much against the cap. So, uh, I'd like to see more of him just to see if he's learning, if the coaches are doing a decent job, but I question that just on the performance of the secondary on Sunday. What's your draft uh, philosophy? Tackle, safety, tackle, tackle, safety, safety? Or I definitely think they're going to – they need to go after some offensive tackles. Um, you know, Chris Hubbard, I cannot wait for the day that they cut him. He has been a major disappointment. And he's not worth the money that the Browns are paying him. Uh, Greg Robinson, you know, as much criticism as he's got throughout the year, you could see he was sorely missed on Sunday. Justin McCray is not a left tackle in the league. I don't know what he is. Um, clearly, you know, Dorsey sees something in him. I think, you know, the, our offensive line coach sees something in him, or I don't think he'd be here. Uh, we wouldn't have traded for him from, from Green Bay. So they definitely need to look at tackles, definitely need to look at safeties. Um, 
you know, maybe we look at a tight end. I know, you know, you got to ride out with Najoku. I think the potential is still there for him to be a top tight end, but uh, you know, that wasn't Dorsey's pick. So you could definitely see them going for a tight end. They need some depth at receiver, obviously with Higgins going and behind Landry and Beckham, there's not much there. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do draft wise. I'm not ready to talk draft yet just because I'm, I want to ride the season out. And then once the season's over, I'll, me, I would definitely dive into the draft stuff. Yeah, the start of the season, I was like, guys, we're so stressed at tight end. We haven't got enough players. We're finishing the season off with too many. And um, defensive end, you know, like, or the D line, I, I was always moaning about defensive tackle, but I thought we fixed it. I never, ever thought the defensive end was going to be an issue because we had nine good defensive ends on our roster during training. And I was like, and now look at it, it's just good. Chris Smith's been cut today, you know. What's your view on that? Yeah, I, I don't like that one either. I mean, I know a lot of people are saying, well, he wasn't doing anything on the field. But, you know, this guy, he he's had to, he's had to deal with a lot this year. Obviously, he had a newborn child. And then, you know, the car wreck that ultimately, uh, you know, his girlfriend passing away and that, you know, it, it's taken a toll on him, I'm sure. Like, you know, I – we obviously don't know what he's going on personally because he's not really sharing that. But, you know, anytime you lose a loved one and then you have to keep going and you're obviously he's taking care of the newborn by himself. He, he's got to work to provide for her. I mean, he's got a lot on his mind and I'm sure football is probably the last thing on his mind, but he kept playing because I'm sure it was something to cope with, but I don't agree with cutting him. I would have, you know, he could have went away. They could have put him on an exemplist or something. I, I just don't see why the Browns are cutting him. I thought it was a bad look today, honestly. Um, so I, don't, I didn't listen to the radio or anything today, so I didn't know what the opinion was in the media about it. But, you know, I get it was a football decision at the end of the day. They claimed a defensive tackle from the Falcons practice squad. But, you know, my heart goes out to Chris Smith and his family. I know he's had a tough year, hopefully – He's not done playing football because I thought he was a decent uh, rotational pass rusher. Um, but, you know, I feel for him just because, you know, dealing with that and then still having to work through all this tragedy and everything. So uh, I thought it was just a bad look by the Browns to do that. Yeah. What's your view on um, Freddie Kitchen and the, the T-shirt? Uh, you know, well, Saturday or is it Sunday morning? Saturday morning, I forget when we recorded. Uh, it first came out and, you know, I just thought – you know, it's just a t-shirt. It wasn't, I didn't think it would be a major distraction, but it, it's, it's turned into a major distraction, which has seemed to be uh, one of the big things with this Brown season is all the distractions off the field and everything. And um, outside of the Miles Garrett incident, that was the only uh, distraction on the field, but you know, it, it's not a good look. Um, you know, you don't want your coach being, immature and unprofessional in that mindset and I know a lot of people say well Mike Tomlin did this Sean Payton did this blah 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 like those are only small examples of what other coaches have done but it, it doesn't make what Freddie did okay I know it's a t-shirt but you know that other teams use this as bulletin board material and they use that as motivation and clearly Pittsburgh used that as motivation and you know while the Browns jumped out to an early lead on Sunday it, it, it just it, it spiraled out of control and it was a disaster and then you heard the players post game saying 
our coach would never do this. Our co- and it, it just fueled us. And it, ultimately that's what it did. And I don't really like that Freddie said, oh, I'd wear it again. I know it was a gag gift from his daughters, but it just seems sometimes Freddie seems in over his head and he doesn't know how to be a professional. I know he made a meteoric rise from running backs coach to head coach within a year, but he's got to be more professional than that. And you would hope that the people in Maria at the Browns facility would be telling him this, but it's either they don't know what to do or B, he's just not listening to them. All right, Jack, you got to go and jump on your podcast now. Where can people find you on your podcast? Uh, we are the 1085 Gridiron Podcast. Uh, yeah, we are recording a new episode tonight, breaking down the Steelers game, and I'm sure we'll talk about the whole Freddie Kitchens t-shirt fiasco. So you can find us on any podcast platform. It's 1085 Gridiron. And also um, follow me on Twitter at CLE. Excellent. I've had a crazy idea this afternoon. How about doing the Browns Fans Awards, where we give everyone a chance to vote for their favourite beat writer, favourite Browns player that's spent time with fans and maybe best podcasts, of course, not including mining yourselves. And uh, yeah, just uh, maybe having a bit of fun with it and uh, creating an end of years award ceremony. That would be fun. I mean, that'd be really interesting just because it seems like most of the Browns fans hate the media. So I'd really love to see who they think is, who is their favourite beat writer. And, you know, there's so many Browns podcasts, so it'd be really interesting to see what people think is their favorite and maybe do a le- maybe do a least favorite. You know, get the, get the drama started Ooh, and Jesus. see who see what people don't like. No, <laughs> I can't do that. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> some of my friends would be really upset in the Browns community. <laughs> I don't know. There's I, there's a lot of Browns podcasts. You know, I uh, enjoy most of them. There's one I don't care for, and I'm just going to keep it at that. People Ooh. might find out who it is um, automatically just if they know me. So, we'll yeah. just, but it, I like your idea, Paul. It'd be something to work with. Maybe we can get like a little round table yeah. panel together. All right, cool, cool. All right, buddy. Really nice speaking to you. And uh, go, Browns. The season's not over. Thanks for someone with some positivity and some uh, energy. And who's not suicidal today? Oh, no. No, uh, you won't. I, at the like I said, it, it's a game. At the end of the day, we all got to move on and go on with our lives, no matter what. But thanks again, Paul, for having me on.